Chris Ann Hall show live and uh, she and JC asked me to join you tonight. And I'm so glad to be here because I've been thinking about a few things that I've been sharing with uh, with my people, <laughs> with my audience that are very, very significant and things that I worry about. But there's good news, too, you know, and the good news is always the truth. And I want to talk a little bit about the truth. I had a conversation today with somebody about truth. That's one of the things that's so important to me. And I always say that none of us have a monopoly, right, on the truth, but because it is elusive, right? And we have to be humble to get to it. And we have to look for it. There's nothing like looking if you want to find something. And there's nothing more important than the truth. Do you know who uh, Jordan Peterson is? He says that the truth is of uh, divine significance. Think about that, divine significance. In the uh, intro to my radio show, the big voice guy used to say, the Bernie Thompson show, where the truth will have its day. And I love that. And I got it from somewhere that I'm going to share with you in just a little bit. I'm also going to keep an eye on the, uh, on the comments as best I can as well. And I'm also going to try to see if... I can keep everything up that I'm supposed to keep up, all the labels and everything for uh, Chris Ann Hall. Uh, I'll tell you this, uh, if you want to find me, this is where you can. This is where I am most active. Uh, I've been doing a little bit uh, here, but not for very long. So this is where you'll find most of my stuff if you're interested. And I focus, I've been focusing a lot on watchdog journalism, on local coverage, and guess what? Just today, just a few hours ago, yet another official in Bay County, Florida, which is where I'm at, Panama City Beach, yet another official was arrested today for public corruption. That's where we can make the biggest difference. We got to keep an eye on Washington. We got to keep an eye on, on Tallahassee. But we really got to keep an eye on our county commissioners, right? In our cities. 412 cities in Florida, 67 counties. And uh, I think too many of us are uh, distracted, right, by the TV or by the conversations on Facebook because social media platforms, you know, they, they really feed you what antagonizes you. They keep us in a constant trance and it's not healthy. But I'll tell you who's doing all he can. It's a guy named uh, James O'Keefe. Have you heard of Project Veritas? Project Veritas is what we need in this country. And guess what? In this day and age, we can all be like Project Veritas. Here's what I mean. He uncovers political corruption. He uncovers corruption of our press. How can we, how can we have any liberty, any freedom, a republic at all without the press? You know what Thomas Jefferson said? He was big on the free press. He knew we needed a vibrant free press. And when asked if he could only have one or the other, right? Why do we need government? Now let's go back to the Declaration of Independence. It tells us why. To get our rights. Is she laughing? Is Chris Ann laughing? <laughs> no, not to get our rights. That's not why we need government. To guarantee, to protect, not even protect, to guarantee our rights. Because our rights come from our creator. They're inherent in our humanity, 
right? We got them at birth from God. No man gave them to us. Therefore, nobody can take them from us. Not by right. They'll try by might. But that's where it comes. Our, chance, our opportunity to protect them. Only we can protect them. So what's the role of government? Right? To protect the rights that God gave us. And the Constitution. I love, I love this part. Got, you got 30 seconds. What is the Constitution? Here's what I like to say. It's a big umbrella. It's the supreme law of the land, but it does basically three things. It, it creates uh, the form of government, right? It limits the power of government, and it guarantees our rights from government. It's also a compact between the states that created the federal government. It only gave it a few duties. But here's what Thomas Jefferson said. If, so if the state is to guarantee our rights, not much more. If you could only have a free press or a government, which would you choose? He said, if, if it came down to it, a free press. Because we've got to have information. We've got to have accurate information. What a leap in, in human freedom and, and understanding with the printing press, right? You didn't have to write each one down and, and go hand it out. You could print a bunch of them. It was like the internet of the, uh, what was it, 1500s maybe. Information is so important. And what happens when it gets, when it's used against us? What happens when there's a massive disinformation campaign? And those who are doing it gaslight us and say we're doing it. That's what they do. They project and they gaslight. Try to make us feel like we're crazy. No, we're not crazy. You're involved in the massive disinformation campaign. And people like James O'Keefe and Project Veritas are uncovering it. Each one of us can do that. He gets, he gets these people like editors of the New York Times, maybe, or, or technical directors of CNN. He'll get them in a diner talking to somebody who's undercover. And they'll say, yeah, we, we're a propaganda. We do propaganda. Our goal was to get President Bush out of office. And... And uh, we ran COVID stories. Uh, we wish we could have had more death counts because it was, you know, what they say, without a good crisis. With a good crisis, you can do anything. So you catch them. The New York Times, by the way, oh, my gosh, the New York Times, th that's the fact checker. So when USA Today, when Facebook says, well, our fact checkers say that that's not true, there's no basis for that except for your eyes and your ears and your, and your intellect. Other than that, there's no evidence of it. When they say that, their fact checkers are from USA Today, who get their information from the New York Times, who has been unbelievably involved in disinformation. Let me give you some big examples. Do you know it was the New York Times that started the big line? A lot of people don't even know this yet because the information doesn't get out because social media feeds us, by the way. They, they know what you like and they antagonize you so that you get excited and you type and they get us sidetracked. Social media feeds us intellectual Twinkies all day long. That's what it feeds us, intellectual Twinkies. And yet some of us, still fancy ourselves as intellectual athletes. I'm telling you, if you eat intellectual Twinkies all day, you're not an intellectual athlete, right? I mean, that's, 
But the New York Times, they reported that the D.C. cop was hit in the head by Trump supporters and he died of that injury. That was their story. It was even used in the second Trump impeachment by the House of Reprehensibles, it, representatives, by the House of Representatives. It was, that's what it was. And then they retracted that. Do you know that the autopsy report didn't come out for a long time? And when it did come out, the, the DC cop, he died of, he, he died of a series of strokes. And his own hometown, I think it was Houston, uh, radio station, they got it right. They reported it a long time ago. It wasn't like the information hadn't been reported, but the New York Times continued that lie. Facebook fact checkers continued to say that uh, this is what happened because the New York Times said so. The New York Times made it up. The autopsy report showed that the, that the D.C. cop, God rest his soul, of blessed memory, that there were no, no physical, external, or internal injuries at all. They made it up. They made the story up. And everybody quoted it because they're authoritative news. Do you know what kind of damage that did to the way Americans look at each other? To the, it's, it's evil is what it is. It's wicked is what it is. It's not the truth. So now we've got an opportunity to really get to the truth, right? To hold accountable uh, accountable these elected officials and these who have the public trust, who are entrusted with the public trust, like me. I'm part of the press. I'm a commentator, but that still falls under the big umbrella of journalism. You got reporters, you got feature writers, you got uh, political cartoonists, you got, you know, commentators, but we still have to, we still have to provide evidence for our, uh, for our analysis, for our opinions. We still have journalistic standards. So by the way, my reporting here, and I mean, incessantly, I mean, all the time uncovered quite a bit in Bay County, Florida, quite a bit of corruption. And it, it resulted in an entire city council, Panama city beach last August. They all, the whole place was subpoenaed for political corruption. They're under investigation now. Well, in neighboring cities within Bay County, the corruption is unreal. It's wide and it's deep. Today, a building official was arrested in Lynn Haven. And this building official has really close ties with these developers and these contractors and these elected officials. Let's just say today, for the rest of the night, all weekend long, elected officials who were cozy with the building inspector. You get a lot of favors with building inspectors. When their phone rings, they're jumping tonight, right? Phone rings, they're, they're jumping. They better answer. Back to James O'Keefe and Project Veritas. You're not going to believe this. So they lied about him as well. Oh, here's another big lie that the New York Times did. During that second impeachment, of President Trump, the New York Times reported that Trump's attorney, Rudy Giuliani, was formally warned by the FBI about their, his uh, Russian interference. The New York Times reported that 
Giuliani was formally warned by the FBI about Russian interference. That was also used in the impeachment against President Trump. The New York Times has since retracted that. That never happened either. The biggest things Americans think happened, the New York Times just made it up. And uh, the social media uh, gatekeepers prevent people from talking about it, getting the information out, the truth. So here's what uh, James O'Keefe has been doing. I'm going to show you a series of short videos and I will come back and, and we'll talk about each one. So New York Times uh, in a news story said that Project Veritas, which is a watchdog journalism group led by James O'Keefe, they get video of people saying things in public or wherever the state laws are. By the way, in Florida, in Florida, you cannot record somebody else's uh, voice uh, without their knowledge when there is an expectation of privacy, right? So if I'm in your car and we're talking and I'm secretly recording you and I use that, that is illegal unless I'm law enforcement. <laughs> they get to do it. But in Florida, if you're in a restaurant and you are recording the conversation in a restaurant, that's legal because there are other people around, there are other cameras on you anyway, in a lot of restaurants. There's no expectation that what you say is between you two. So there's a lot of accountability that can take place when, that, when people are determined to show that other people are lying and know they're lying. The New York Times said Project Veritas was part of a coordinated disinformation effort and they said that, a, a reporter wrote that in the news section of the New York Times. That's journalistic malpractice. I say this only because I want you to know this is something I've studied. I have a master's degree in journalism from one of the most prestigious uh, journalism schools in the country, USC in Los Angeles. I graduated in 2002. I'm very proud of this. I, it's my craft. Journalism. I agree with Jefferson. We can't have liberty without a free and vibrant press because it's the nature of people in power to abuse that power. So um, they, they wrote that in, the, in, the, in a news article and they didn't do any fact checking. And that was used by social media to discredit and defame Project Veritas. So Project Veritas sued the New York Times for defamation. Now, this is ironic, actually, because the law that governs this, aside from the First Amendment, <clears throat> the Supreme Court ruling, just kidding, just kidding, is she laughing? <laughs> Chris Ann Hall would say the New York, uh, the, the, the Supreme Court, they're not rulers. I don't care if five or six or nine or soon 17 justices, I don't care what they say. They don't rule, right? That's what monarchs do. They issue opinions. You say, Bernie, that's crazy. I say, go to the New York, uh, to the to the Supreme Court website, and look at those tabs up top, and you find the tab that says ruling. You'll find one that says opinion. It is absurdity on crack to think that the states would create the federal government to have one branch as the ruler. It's insane. Now, we got there pretty quick. That's another long story. But the Supreme Court in 1964 
there is a landmark decision. It's the, it, it is uh, the New York Times versus Su uh, Sullivan. New York Times v. Sullivan, 1964. It was in that case that I think they made a pretty good decision. And what they did was they said, okay, I'm a public figure. If I say about you, oh, you are just a terrible mom. Uh, you've stolen from the PTA. And people shouldn't do business with you. They shouldn't hire you. And you didn't do any of those things. You can sue me as a, as a private citizen and you'll win. Because the standard is only uh, neglect. If I neglected to get the truth, if I simply neglected to, you'll win. But if I sue you as a public figure, there's a different standard, right? If you say Bernie Thompson is a thief, he's a deadbeat dad, which they've said about me, oh, you can say all kinds of stuff. You can't call me a murderer and you can't call me a... a a child molester. There's a few things you can't even do to public figures, but everything else you can make up. I mean, you can say all kinds of stuff because if I sue you, here's what that standard is. A public figure has to show that you knew you were lying and you continue to lie. It's called actual malice. So what I'm saying is it's very difficult for a public figure to win a defamation lawsuit. It's very difficult. And it should be so that we can feel free to criticize those in power. <clears throat> this is the New York Times again, but this time they're on the wrong side of history. This time they actually did know they were lying about Project Veritas and they continued to do it with reckless disregard. Now, I'm no lawyer, but I play one in real life. I have been sued by public figures twice for defamation. And twice I kicked their ass because I was telling the truth and they were lying. This all happened in 2018 and 2019. So I had to learn about this stuff. And in one of those cases, I was well, actually in both of those cases, I was pro se for most of the time, meaning I did it myself. So I had to do a lot of studying, even though I was right, I still had to do a lot of studying. So defamation for a public figure, it's really dumb for a public figure to sue anybody for defamation. You, what you said damaged my reputation. But in this case, James O'Keefe is right. Project Veritas is right. The New York Times knowingly and with reckless disregard lied about Project Veritas in a coordinated disinformation campaign and then said he was doing it. Watch. I'll show you some short videos. They're about three minutes each, and then I'll come back and we'll talk about them. All right, let's see. I think this is the first one right here. The New York Times just filed an answer to our defamation lawsuit, and it is a doozy. And now the New York Times has requested a jury trial as we barrel towards discovery. <laughs> You all know by now that Project Veritas has won on motion to dismiss against the New York Times for defamation. The New York Times printing an original article saying we are part of a coordinated disinformation campaign, that we were deceptive. The New York Times defense was that their statements there were, quote, 
unverifiable expressions of opinion, the judge in New York saying to the New York Times that they were the ones engaged in deception and disinformation, interjecting their opinion in an A section news article. Now the New York Times has to reply to all the allegations that we made in our complaint. The New York Times forced to answer our allegations in this answer filed in court just last week. The New York Times either had to admit the allegations, deny the allegations, or claim ignorance. Hmm. Want to take a guess which one of those was a favorite of the New York Times? Ding, ding, ding. What do we have for Johnny? All throughout this answer, the New York Times keeps saying the New York Times lacks knowledge or information to form a belief as to the truth of the allegation. Over and over again throughout this answer to our allegations, they, they feigned ignorance no fewer than 40 times in their answer claiming they, quote, lack knowledge and information. How about that? How about that? So this is big, right? So the New York Times is saying, oh, it was just an opinion. No, it was, it was actually, and the judge said this, it was actually on your news section of the paper. Wasn't just opinion. The significance behind this is tremendous because we live in a time where social media, which used to be social media, uh, now it is uh, gatekeeper media. Very important to understand that. We used to have news media, now we have marketing media because 90% of the media, news media outlets have been bought up by six corporations. Did you get that? They did all this so that they could turn the news media into the marketing media so they could sell their political ideas and shape the way we see things. And with their partners in big tech, they are gatekeepers to information we can see. And they cite the New York Times. Well, the New York Times says, yeah, but the New York Times is a big fat liar. How about that? So this is huge. And I pray, I really do, I pray that the judge that the judge and the jury it's a jury that'll decide and that's big you can you can you you have the right to ask for a jury even in civil cases and he did so a jury will decide and in a civil case it only requires a preponderance of evidence that means more than not and what he has to prove is that the new york times knew that they weren't telling the truth and did it with reckless disregard that's why this is important. So let's get back to this and I'll show you the, the next segment uh, from the very courageous uh, James O'Keefe and uh, Project Veritas. Things as basic as what did Liban Muhammad say in his Snapchat video? We had said in our lawsuit, Mr. Muhammad displayed a vast number of ballots littering his car's dashboard while boasting in Somali. Numbers don't lie. Numbers don't lie. What did that guy say? This is from our lawsuit. In another video, Mr. Muhammad filmed himself exiting an apartment complex with his hands stuffed with voters' ballots, boasting. Two in the morning, still hustling. These are not hard things for the Times to have figured out. We didn't even film Liban Muhammad. He filmed himself, and one of our sources captured it. Turns out the New York Times simply, quote, lacks knowledge and information, unquote. Who'd have thunk it? 
the Times' own policy effectively requires New York Times reporters and journalists to reach out to subjects for comment, and the New York Times admits that they didn't do that. Quote, New York Times admits that Ms. Astor, her editors, and the New York Times did not reach out to Mr. Muhammad for comment. The New York Times, all you had to do was pick up the phone and call him, and Muhammad would have said, that was me, that was my Snapchat, and I recorded myself. But you didn't do that. And maybe you didn't do it, because if you did do it, you'd have to publish that it was real. But what you put in your A section news article, you said that we were, quote, making claims without evidence. You didn't even pick up the damn phone and make a phone call. And you call yourself journalists. The New York Times also admits that it didn't reach out to Mr. Jamal, who was one of our sources. Also happens to be one of the New York Times' sources, by the way. They selectively edited that out of their article. They didn't reach out to Mr. Awood, who is a subject featured in our video. They didn't reach out to any of these people. The only people that the New York Times reached out to was those people who supported the narrative that they wanted to tell. Wow. <laughs> Holy shnikes. That's journalistic malpractice. You know, this really punctuates how legacy news outlets have become um, really marketing media, like I told you. And that's the way to understand it. It's not just that they're liberals anymore, and they're really not even liberals anymore. <laughs> they are neo-fascist progressives. They're not liberals. They don't believe in the Fourth Amendment right to be free from searches and seizures. They, they don't believe in free speech. At least, you know, a quarter of a century ago when I got serious about these issues, at least they were those things. I agreed with them on many of those things. Now they are neo-fascist leftists, progressives. Um, so, yeah, they uh, it's, it's marketing media. And they didn't even, they wrote the story and they didn't even check any sources. It didn't even ask. That's you don't do that. It's that's not journalism. That's propaganda. You know, if they wanted to know, they could have simply looked, right? Remember, there's nothing like looking if you want to find something. That's what makes all of the uh Bolshevik that I see on Facebook's fact checkers, well, there is uh, no evidence uh, showing that there was election interference. Are you nuts? No evidence. What are you, I hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil. There's nothing like looking if you want to find something. I'll tell you a quick story. In the 80s, uh, in Ronald Reagan's uh, second uh, campaign, he was going to draw a candidate um, Gary Hart. Gary Hart was the favorite Democrat candidate. This is in 84. And Gary Hart was a player. He liked the ladies. And the media started asking him about this. This is back when reporters, yeah, they were Democrats, most of them, but they actually cared about the craft. And moreover, the subscribers, they wanted the truth. And that's where they got their money. They had to please the subscribers back in the day. They always have to please somebody. And back then it was the subscribers. So Gary Hart said, I'm not seeing that. Uh, her name was Rice. Something Rice, I believe, right? 
I'm not seeing that lady. What are you talking about? These crazy accusations. I'm not seeing her. And if you think I am, follow me. You'll be bored if you do. They did. And they caught him. They caught him. They didn't say, well, uh, we have no evidence that Gary Hart is seeing this lady. Uh, he said so. All right. There's no evidence. It's a baseless claim. One of the most important characteristics in journalism is curiosity. If you see somebody purporting to be a journalist and they're not asking questions, but they're trying to explain why they're right. Well, actually, uh, you do need to take the vaccine. Experts say, and then they start giving you all the reasons. That's not reporting. What reporters ought to be doing is asking more experts, other people, and reporting what they find out. But they're not curious. They're determined. They're determined to change the way you think. That's propaganda. And it's repugnant to my craft of journalism. And I take it damn serious. Because there's nothing like they knew in 84 when Gary Hart said, I'm not doing that. There's nothing like looking if you want to find something. But they're not looking, are they? There's a reason for that. All right, back to Project Veritas. Tell. And speaking of only reporting the narrative they wanted to tell, remember how the New York Times said that I was part of a, quote, coordinated disinformation campaign, at least in part because I embargoed the material with people who had a platform that could publicize these videos, people like Mike Lindell. I'd, I met with him. I shared with him an advanced copy of our journalism. The Times now admits that Maggie Astor, wait for it, oh, she was given an embargoed copy of this election integrity report. The New York Times did the very thing they accused us of. If that's considered, quote, disinformation campaign or a coordinated disinformation campaign, then the New York Times would be engaging in a coordinated disinformation campaign by uh, doing embargoed copies of things right before they're published. It's asinine. It's irrational. It's outrageous. It's uh, defamation is what it is. Or as the prominent Canadian vlogger has stated, it's just plain old projection, Dean Becay. Remember what we always say on this channel, hashtag confession through projection, because it looks like that is exactly what the New York Times did themselves. Now you had seen that the New York Times defense in their motion to dismiss was the statements by Maggie Astor were, quote, unverifiable expressions of opinion, unquote. In this answer, the New York Times admits that Maggie Astor is, quote, not an opinion writer for the New York Times, and that Tiffany Hsu is a news reporter, and that, quote, her article was published in the media news section of the Times, unquote, and not in any opinion section. Britt Hume, legendary journalist, tweeted this out the other day, quote, one of the remarkable things about this case is that not only did the New York Times acknowledge the reporters injected their opinions in a news story, they made that part of their defense. The staggering implications of the New York Times defense, that it was mere opinion what they were writing, when USA Today uses the New York Times as their fact-checking mechanism, Camille Caldera at USA Today, researchers claim video as part of a coordinated disinformation campaign based upon what people, quote, told the New York Times, and Facebook relies upon USA Today to send a notification to tens of millions of people saying 
that there was, quote, false information in the video. Do you understand how damaging this has been to Project Veritas and to the truth? What do you think a jury is going to do when presented with this evidence, Mr. Dean Baquet? I can't wait to see that. This is one of the few, few times that uh, a public figure could actually win a defamation case because it meets the standard of actual malice. The New York Times knew it wasn't true, but the New York Times continued to say it with reckless disregard and presented as fact in the, in the straight, in the news section of the paper. And what they accused him of is what they were doing. Have you been seeing a lot of that lately? Projection? Been seeing a lot of projection. It's gaslighting. And I don't fall for it. I absolutely don't fall for it. And by the way, one of the best ways to deal with a gaslighter, somebody who's projecting, somebody who says, um, um, you know, that there's there's no evidence of, uh, of election tampering. I, I like to say, uh-oh. Looks like we've got a, an election fraud denier. They don't know what to do because that's what they're used to. I never answer them. If you let, if you've ever been in a, in a toxic relationship with somebody who does that to you, a gaslighter who says, yeah, but you said you were going to be ready at six and you never said it. And you think, God, I was really tired and I had the kids and, you know, did I say that? No. It, the, so I, I would never say, I didn't say that. Never get on your heels with a projector or a gaslighter. Put them on their heels, right? Somebody calls you a racist. You know what I say? And you're racist for even thinking that's racist. Like what they did with uh, uh, Governor DeSantis when he was running for office. And he was talking about how we got to get the monkey off our back. And I said, oh, the monkey must be Gillum. Andrew Gillum. He just called Gillum a monkey. You know what I say? What the hell is wrong with you? How did you go from a monkey to a black American? You got to be racist. They don't know how to handle that. Do you want to do you want one piece of gold right now? This is a good one now. When Obama was president, I was pretty critical of him. I called him the great beguiler. And I would get calls on the radio show. People said, "I know why you're saying that." I said, "Why?" I know why, because you're a racist, Bernie, that's why. And you, you know what I used to say? But I have a lot of black friends. No, I did not use, that's not what I used to say. It's true, but that's not what I used to say. Don't say that. Here's what to say. You ready for this? This is good. I used to say, really, if he were white, if Barack Obama were white, which of his policies would I suddenly support? Is that good? That's what you do. Somebody accuses you of, of being against a politician because of his skin color or her skin color. That's the way you do it. Really, if this person, if Maxine Waters was white, which of her policies would I suddenly support? I'll wait. Isn't that good? Hey, that's where you can find me right there on Facebook. That's where I'm most active. Um, most of what I do is local watchdog stuff, but I've been forced to to get into some of this national stuff because of the disinformation. And we got to, we got to answer it uh, in the right way. All right, here is, I'm not going to play for you the final clip of, of uh, 
Project Veritas, because I, I promised you a couple other things. Here's an example of the marketing media at work. Um, well, I thought I had on here. Goodness, I may not have. I didn't put it on here. I was going to give you a clip. Surely you've seen them. The clips of uh, Joe Biden uh, recently. Does he look lucid? Or does he look like they need to get him back to the home as fast as possible? Joe Biden isn't all there. And he's starting to do something weird, by the way. He's start. I don't know what they give these people when they are octogenarians. Uh, not only that, when they get about 80 or older. I don't know what they do, but whatever they give them so that they can stand up and get through the uh, few minutes that they've got to be up there, like double speaker of the house, Nanny Pelosi, when she's up there, and she's, she's, uh, you know, there's something in her mouth. It's like a little mint or something Like keeps her mouth on or something. And Pelosi does that all the time. I used to think that she was messing with her false teeth. That's what I thought, you know, like, I didn't know what she was doing, but Biden started doing it. He keeps doing the thing where he's got something in his mouth. There, they, there's something that makes them, and now he's slurring more than he has been. By the way, the new talking point to try to prevent us from criticizing Joe Biden for the obvious. The new, the new talking point, by the way, if you get, you'll hear this. Well, he's a life, he's a stutterer. Okay. He stutters. How dare you? Don't you have any decency criticizing a stutterer? What kind of bully are you? That's the new line, by the way. <laughs> so dumb. These people are insane. You think I'm going to fall for that? Uh, so anyway, the lifelong stutterer just started stuttering and slurring his words real bad. But here's the point. The news media, the marketing media, and the gatekeepers on social media, they want us to believe this. They want us to believe the craziest stuff. Who saw the video of Vice President Kamala Harris kissing the second gentleman? I don't know what the first one is. The second gentleman is her, is her husband, okay? So Vice President Kamala Harris, second gentleman, is is her husband and they kissed before she got on a plane with their masks on they're both vaccinated they kiss with their masks on <clears throat> now the news media didn't say anything about it because they're marketers but i can't help but think that they just want to tell us like any crazy thing like it's fun to them at this point they just make up crazy stuff like that's normal. But they know it's not. The people who tell us to be scared of the virus themselves are not scared of the virus. It's all theater. And we all know this, right? But they want to keep playing the game. But this is what I think they do. And I'm guessing when she went up on the plane and he got in the limo and they took off, within two minutes, they called each other and it was knee slapping funny what they had done. They, they can't believe they can do stupid stuff like that. And everybody plays let's pretend like it's normal. It's not normal. So 
the only people who defend it, though, nobody believes it, but the only people who defend it are their supporters. I actually think that they have such a condescending attitude about their own supporters. And they just laugh. Can you believe we do that? And the, the, nobody calls us out on it. Isn't that funny, honey? That's why there's the New York Times. That's why this is significant. Because the fact checkers point to the New York Times. Now the New York Times is about to get busted in court for lying. It's going to be, it's going to be at least harder for them to say that. Um, I told you I was going to tell you about Sandy Cortez. Uh, some people call her Ocasio-Cortez. She's talking about the amount of money uh, that Joe Biden wants to give to rebuild America and whatever else they're going to do with it. And it's uh, like $2.5 trillion. Do you know how much a trillion dollars is? If Jesus spent a million dollars a day every single day, I'm talking about every single day until now, that's not a trillion. Jesus would have to spend a million dollars a day every single day for another 619 years to reach a trillion dollars. A million dollars every day. It's 2,700 years times $1 million every single day. That's $1 trillion. Keep that in mind when you hear Sandy Cortez say this. I have the vision that the Biden administration has put forward. My concern is that they have allocated $2.25 trillion over about eight years um, to act out on this vision. And it's just not enough. Um, if we actually want in good faith to make this vision and the, the commitments that they've put down happen, we need a more robust investment. I have real serious concerns that 2.25 trillion over eight years is not going to get us there. And for context, because people may say, I can't anymore. Here's where you can find me uh, on Facebook. And um, here's where you can, hey, I'm trying to build my uh, YouTube channel. Uh, I, I haven't been very active on it, but there's some interesting stuff. So if you were to subscribe to YouTube, my channel, that would just make my day. Uh, I've got to get out of here uh, before the top of the hour. But I wanted to leave on the importance of the truth. How important is the truth? Jordan Peterson says, that truth is of divine significance. It is the fundamental presupposition of our culture. Without the truth, we're toast. And my favorite quote on the truth comes from the dark night. The dark night rises, actually, the third in that trilogy, the Batman. And this was um, Alfred, the butler. He finally had it with Bruce Wayne. And he had to leave Bruce Wayne. He loved Bruce Wayne and he was heartbroken. And he had the greatest line about the truth. I'm going to leave you with this. And I look forward to the next time that I get to join you. Maybe it's time we all stop trying to outsmart the truth and let it have its day.